0: Welcome to The View Ahead. This episode is brought to you by the National School Safety
1: Center and Visdom K-12. Our guest today is David Albert. David is with the New York State School Boards Association. He is the communications director there, plays a very important role, and as part of that role, also works with school boards and other folks in the K-12 education space advising them on what to do and how to handle themselves in time of a crisis. David, uh, welcome to our podcast.
0: Thank you, David. It's my pleasure to be here.
1: Let's start with just a little bit about your background. You have 25 years of professional experience working in a a variety of communications posts. Just give us a a little history of uh, David Albert.
0: I have worked um, in communications roles for three different types of organizations. One was a city school district, the Albany City School District uh, here in New York, which at the time was a district of about 10,000 students and about 20 or so schools. Uh, Following that, I moved uh, to a biotechnology company and served as director of communications there. Uh, for about eight years, and then I came to the New York State School Boards Association and uh, here, you know, head up the Communications, Marketing, and Research Department, and uh, we do a workshop uh, every year at our convention for school board members focusing on different communications topics, and uh, crisis communications was uh, certainly a topic we covered uh, about two years ago.
1: Well, David, let's take that word "crisis." Um, that can mean different things to different people, but in the context of a school, when you say crisis, I know some people may think of active shooter scenarios and probably some of the worst scenarios that we can imagine. But I get the idea that it's 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 much broader than that. Can you can you define what a crisis can be?
0: Yes, uh, you know, really, a crisis. First of all, let me start by saying that a crisis can occur any time and often occurs unexpectedly. Uh, basically, a random event, what we call spot news. And a crisis can be an accident that happens on school grounds. It can be a fire. It could be a violent incident or a crime. It could be, uh, you know, a financial issue. Uh, the district is audited and uh, uncovers wrongdoing. The audit uncovers some type of financial malfeasance. Uh, there's, you know, many different uh, forms that a crisis can take, and it's it's hard to predict, you know, uh, obviously a crisis. It, it's something that just happens um, and uh, something obviously every school district administrator and communications professional needs to be aware of.
1: David, when you think about a crisis at a school, and and let's compare this maybe to folks who handle communications for police departments or fire departments or or even hospitals, they are generally responding to a particular incident at a a particular place. I, I suppose that's true of schools as well, but I'm thinking from a parent's perspective. If I see someone from my school district talking about an incident at this particular high school or this middle school, I have a range of emotions as a parent that I want to get there, I want to get my child, I want to confirm that everything is okay. What I'm really asking you is how is being a communications manager or in charge of crisis communications at a school different fundamentally than in other institutions?
0: Well, you know, I think that schools are unique in the sense that every day parents send their children off to school and the school has custody of the children and obviously the children are there to be educated. <clears throat> if a crisis were to strike then obviously you know every parent's fear um, of of having their you know children be harmed uh starts to cross their mind. And so You know, it's really incredibly important if you're in the communications role in a school district to always think, you know, from the parent's perspective and understand that, you know, they are entrusting you as the school district with their children and, you know, your responsibility obviously is to keep them safe should a crisis occur, you know, obviously you do everything you can to make sure that no child is harmed. But you also have to do everything you can to be as open and honest in terms of your communication with parents and with the community and make sure that they are aware of everything that you are doing, everything that is happening, um, and uh, just, as I said, being as open and honest as possible.
1: David, how has the presence of social media and smartphones um, either helped or complicated the job of those people who were communicating with the public during a crisis and with the media?
0: You know, uh, obviously, smartphones and also social media uh, has really, you know, changed uh, the nature of communication. Uh, If you rewind, you know, back uh, 15 or 20 years before smartphones and social media were as prevalent, um, you know, the the media, the traditional news media was a a major conduit uh, for communicating with the public and with parents. Certainly, you know, Districts were uh, developing websites, and so they had the website that they could use to communicate, and there was face-to-face communication. But now, you know, with social media and with smartphones, everybody is potentially a communicator. Everybody can, you know, capture something on video or or take a photograph and post it to Facebook or Instagram or tweet. Um, and even provide some of that footage or perhaps photos to the traditional news media. Uh, so in some ways, you know, it's made things a bit more complicated in the sense that there's many more communications vehicles now. And so you have to be aware of those vehicles and what's being said on those vehicles. So it's not just what the media is reporting, but it's what people are saying on Twitter. It's what people are saying on Facebook, Instagram, etc. cetera. Um, but it's also helped in the sense that uh, there are more communication avenues for people to get their information. The one caveat, of course, is whether it's accurate information. And that's what we have to be really careful about, is if somebody is tweeting or posting something on social media that is inaccurate, you know, that is more of a disservice, obviously, than it is a service uh, to the folks who are following the crisis.
1: How can a communications manager for a school district uh, mitigate... The potential damage that misinformation can do from perhaps a, a well-meaning parent or somebody with, you know, a smartphone who's captured some video or sending out tweets. I mean, what what can you do really? Well, what you
0: can do really is communicate as often as you possibly can, and that's really one of the first uh, lessons that I would say. So uh, anyone who's going to be in a crisis should should learn is is if you're going to, you know, be a spokesperson or communications person in a crisis, you have to uh, understand that you communicate as often as possible um, and you correct misinformation when you see it. And, you know, it's not necessarily that the person who is putting out the information knows that it's wrong. It just could be, you know, people are trying to get as much information as they can and they're sharing what they believe to be true. Uh, people are, you know, they want information. Uh, and so what you really need to do is to be kind of the official source of, of information, of what is happening, and become reliable and trusted as that official source so that when you, you know, correct information, whether it be on social media or with the traditional news media or wherever, uh, people will, will rely on your information and know that it's accurate.
1: David, one of the things I know you'll talk about in your webinar is the importance of designating an appropriate spokesperson. Is that always the same individual? Can it vary based upon the crisis? Does it really depend upon the size of the school district and the community?
0: Well, you know, I think the answer is kind of yes and no. I mean, if you have a a spokesperson, Uh, a designated spokesperson in your district, and let's say that that's a communications or public relations professional, then I think typically it would make sense to have that person be the spokesperson uh, because they are most likely, you know, comfortable uh, in that role. They have experience in that role. I think that it's, it's very important to separate the role of spokesperson from crisis manager because the crisis manager is someone who's going to be involved in the day-to-day management of issues that arise during the crisis. Um, Not necessarily going to be the person who is going to be giving briefings to the media. That crisis manager is going to be looking at things from a lot of different perspectives and trying to coordinate everybody. And so it's important to have somebody who is not the crisis manager, to be the official spokesperson. And you may say, you know, if you plan in advance, okay, you know, if we have a crisis of this nature, a financial nature, for example, then we may designate, you know, this person to be the official spokesperson. But I would recommend that you try to be as consistent as possible. If you have a spokesperson in your district, I would recommend that that person be designated as the crisis spokesperson.
1: In that capacity, do you think it is important, and do you advocate that these folks reach out to the local media? In other words, I would imagine that it's important that people know who that crisis management or who, who that spokesperson is in time of a crisis. And I guess this is really a two-part question. It's what can you do locally or regionally? And if it's a major crisis, how does CNN or Fox News or NBC, know who to talk to?
0: Okay, good question. So uh, let's talk about the first part, uh, the local component. Again, yes, absolutely. If you are the spokesperson for a school district, you should have established relationships with your local media, uh, whether it's print, online, television, radio, blogs. You should have, um, you know, Reaching out to these folks on a regular basis, sharing stories with them, building trust, building credibility, so that they know you're the person to come to in the event of a crisis. If you are dealing with a crisis of, of large proportion that attracts national media attention, then um, it, it's very important that on your website, on your your school district website, you have a section for the news media, because chances are that's the first place that the media is going to look is on your website to see who the media spokesperson is. And so if that person's name is listed along with their contact information, their cell phone, uh, email address, then that is uh, how the national networks or someone who is perhaps out of the local region will know whom to contact in the event of a crisis. And also, the other thing uh, that I would point out is that uh, national media may well be monitoring local media. And so they may see a story online uh, that, that... Uh, quote somebody or interview somebody and if it's that spokesperson they're going to probably reach out to that person try and find that person within the district so that's the importance of having consistency so that you have that same person being quoted being interviewed and also being listed on the website and the media whether it's local or regional or state or national understands that that is the designated district spokesperson.
1: David, I know that in some of the uh, bigger school crises that uh, i've I've witnessed at least and this is really uh, watching the media coverage that uh, that takes place there's some kind of a crisis command center, and I know that one of the things that you advocate is that that crisis command center be be media ready give us a visual, if you will, of what that crisis command center looks like. Is it always the same place? Is it remote? And and what does it mean to be media-ready?
0: Well, uh, first off, what it means to be media-ready is that you you have, you know, Wi-Fi or, you know, some kind of internet access so that uh, if a reporter, for some reason, you know, needs that access to be able to file a story, you know, if they're working on a, a laptop or, or something that and they need to be able to file a story from uh from the command center that they can do that because there's there's internet access um, you need to obviously have power uh, you need to have you know just the basic information that uh or the basic materials that that a reporter would need to do their job and and it, really that that's all that you need to have i mean nowadays um you know with with tablets that that are connected to cellular connections uh, it's, it's possible that a reporter could file a story you know just writing on a tablet although it would be a little bit difficult to, to, to pound out a story on a tablet so basically you know some some uh... basic things that that you would you would want there um, But in terms of what the place uh... The, the command center should look like it doesn't really have to be anything fancy uh... You know, really, it, it's just a place that you want to bring media so that you can give them scheduled briefings. And typically, in my experience, you would usually have the command center not be um, a place that is, you know, where the actual crisis is occurring. Uh, chances are, it's, it, you know, it's. It, it, let's say, for example, there's a crisis in in a school building. The the command center might be at the administration building. Um, And so what you would do is you would set up the command center there and direct the media there. That doesn't mean that the media is not going to show up at the school building because they are. But at least you can have a place away from where the crisis is actually occurring where you can bring the media together, have a Q&A, update them on what is happening. And, again, it's a consistent place so that the media knows that uh, that's where they go for updates. I think it's important also to be able to... Uh, identify all the locations that are related to a crisis incident. You know, for example, uh, the actual event, You know, or I'm sorry, the actual uh, building where the crisis is occurring, but also if there are places where parents, if the district is bringing parents in to give them an update on what is happening, uh, that is another place where the media, you know, may uh, arrive or likely will arrive to try to talk to parents. So you just have to think about, you know, if if a crisis occurs, where are the likely places where the media might want to go um, in addition to the command center? And I think that covered your questions, but I'm not sure. No, it did. Uh,
1: that, that, that's very good. David, I, I have what I, I, I'm going to call the Goldilocks question for you. Um, okay. And this is what I mean by that. Uh, I'm sure it's possible to under-communicate with the media and to over-communicate with the media but what is the just right portion or the how do you communicate with the media just the right amount and in the right way?
0: Yeah, well, that, I'm not sure that there's any, you know, one right answer to that one, David, because a lot of it is going to depend on, you know, the the, the nature of the crisis and who's involved and how, um, how frequently you really need to update uh, the media. But I would say that... You want to communicate, as I said earlier, as often as possible. It's probably better to err on the side of over-communicating than under-communicating, meaning even if you don't have anything new to say, you know, go out and say, we don't have anything new to say. You don't want to let too much time pass. Without at least giving an update, even if it is to say, you know, we're, we're still monitoring the situation and there's nothing new to report. Because if you let, you know, too much time go by, then media may start wondering and parents may start wondering, you know, what's happening? Why aren't they communicating? So being open and being, uh, you know, just communicating as much as possible is very important. That said, I will also say it's extremely important that you be accurate in your communication because you are dealing with situations that are obviously very highly charged, and you want to make sure that you have your facts right. Uh, you don't want to say, for example, that you know uh, there was a, a a crisis today involving a seventh-grade uh, science lab when, in fact, it was a ninth-grade science lab. You want to make sure that you are uh, absolutely uh, sure of your facts because now you're 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 you know getting every parent of a 7th grader concerned um uh, needlessly and then more importantly uh is that that information will continue to get passed on um and and propagated and and you know you'll have information that is inaccurate that spreads and it's hard to come back and and correct that once misinformation gets out so there it's always a, a balance between um frequency of communication and accuracy but again, you know, even if you need to go out and say there's no nothing new to report, then go and do that because you're not you're not just going out and giving, you know, obviously wrong information, you're just giving an update that there's nothing there's no new development.
1: I think that's great advice. David as a parent would uh it be reasonable for me to communicate with my local school district and ask them what their uh, crisis communication plan looks like? I mean, do most school districts have a plan? Is it available? Is it something that can be reviewed by the public?
0: Well, you know, it's hard to say nationally whether all uh, districts have a plan. I know here in New York State, um, districts do have school safety plans. I believe there's a state law uh, that addresses that topic. Um, I think it's a very reasonable question as a parent. To approach your school board or superintendent and and just say you know do you have a plan in place and um, ask them I guess to share as much as they can you know some components of that plan they they may not want to share because of security reasons but certainly I think it's important uh, for parents to know that the district is planning in advance because that's very important to to have a plan in place when a crisis hits it's it, it can be very confusing you're in the heat of the moment you're not always level-headed and so if you can step back you know before a crisis hits and plan out as much as possible this is how who's going to manage the crisis this is where we're going to communicate from this is who's going to be the spokesperson um, we've reached out to the police the fire the hospital in our community and we're you know working with them to make sure that we coordinate we know who the contact person is in each of those organizations in the event that we have to you know uh, experience a crisis all of that is important and i think that it's certainly uh, absolutely within your right as a parent to ask a school district that question
1: we're visiting with David Albert. David is Director of Communications, Marketing, and Research at the New York State School Boards Association, also known fondly as NISBA. That's a great uh, acronym, just the right number of consonants and syllables. David, um, in the webinar that you're going to be doing, um, one of the things that, uh, of course, we like to uh, do in the webinars is to let people know that they're going to be able to leave with some actionable things that, uh, that they can do or know. What are the things that people will learn in your webinar?
0: Well, um, one thing they'll learn is basically how to to pick the right person to be your spokesperson. It's a very important role, obviously. It's going to be the liaison to the community, to the media in many ways. And so you'll learn the qualities of the spokesperson and the qualities that a spokesperson should have. Uh, how to establish a crisis command center that is media-ready, as we talked about earlier, so that you can be prepared in advance to direct the media to that particular place where they have all the things that they need to write and file their stories. Um, how often to communicate during a crisis. We'll talk about that. We touched on it here in this podcast. But we'll talk a little bit more about uh, what is the right balance between frequency uh and accuracy and obviously you know you can't compromise on accurate accuracy and then we'll also talk a little bit about developing your message you know what you're going to say you know we've talked a lot about logistics uh the how when and where you're going to communicate in this podcast but we'll talk more in the webinar about what you're going to say and of course that's going to be very specific to the crisis but a little bit about the message development process uh and and What you should be thinking about saying um, in terms of uh, how your district is responding to the crisis.
1: Well, it sounds like it's going to be a great webinar, and for those who would like to attend, there will be uh, sign-up information, when, where, and how you attend, on the VISDOM K-12 website. There will also be information along with this podcast where you're listening to it. You should be able to have some information right there on the screen, and we encourage you to sign up. For those who may not be able to attend the webinar live, we uh, will certainly have it recorded and it will be available later. David, I want to thank you for your time today. This has been very interesting. Uh, I, for one, look forward to the webinar, and I hope as many of our listeners as possible are able to join that. But thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today about this important topic and to tell us a little bit more about your webinar.
0: My pleasure. Thank you.
1: Thank you.